Broadcast of the PJC Media Network seeks to present wholesome, thought-provoking, and entertaining content. However, the views expressed by the hosts of PJC Media are theirs and theirs alone. They do not reflect the views of this network or its affiliates. Please utilize listener discretion. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White Show. Each week, we feature different topics concerning issues that sometimes can be difficult to talk about. These issues concern children and adults who may be autistic, have Asperger's, or have mental disorders of any kind. We will discuss law enforcement and how they interact with these persons. Now, let's start the show. Good evening. Good evening. And let's talk about with Jenny tonight. We're going to talk about 10 actions that can reduce violence in cities. And the first one we're going to discuss is to set a clear goal. Commit to saving lives by stopping violence. And we can do that. Homicide and other violent crimes devastate cities in human and economic terms. So we have to do what we can do to help all this violence to stop. So preserving life by preventing lethal or near-lethal violence is the primary goal of any true anti-violence effort, and progress should be measured in concrete terms. Fewer homicides and non-fatal shootings. City leaders should commit to tangible reductions in these measures, Annual 10% reductions in homicides and non-fatal shootings are realistic goals. That's number one. The first, I mean the second, the second action that cities can take to reduce violence, they can identify the key people and places driving the violence. In every city, violence concentrates among small sets of individuals, groups, and locations. To effectively reduce violent crime, cities should begin with a rigorous problem analysis, like this one completed in Oakland. These analyzes draw on incident reviews, shooting data, law enforcement, Intelligence and social network. Okay, that's number two. We're talking about 10 actions that cities can take to reduce violence in their cities. Number three, they can create a plan for engaging key people and places. 
Now that's what they can do. Most critically, leaders must ordinate stakeholder activities focused on the highest risk people and places. Plans should be practical and actionable, detailing concrete commitments for key people and in key places. Who will do what by when? These commitments should use SMART, which means specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound critical. Plans should also identify which activities will not be undertaken in order to maintain focus, as trying to do too much often results in failure. Okay? And that's two. Number three, create a citywide plan for engaging key people in places. Now, I said that. Engage people with epony and accountability. That's a good one. Those individuals and groups at the highest risk of violence must be placed on notice that they are in great danger of being injured, killed, arrested, and or incarcerated. So that's number four that the city can do to reduce violence. Okay, five, address key locations using place-based policy and investing workforce development. A combination of place-based policing and investment can calm violent spaces. Now, that's a good one. Key locations using place-based policing and investment. It's just that simple. Number six, is it six? Place responsibility for violence reduction efforts at the top. Every city suffering from high rates of violent crime should have a permanent unit dedicated to violence reduction operating inside the mayor's office with senior leadership reporting directly to the mayor. Now, uh, could be, could be. But that, you know, place responsibility for violence reduction efforts at the top. So we got to do what we got to do. Number seven, emphasize healing with trauma-informed approaches. Gun violence disproportionately affects the poor and powerless in our society in certain communities. Post-traumatic stress disorder is more common among residents than among veterans of the wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, or Vietnam, victims of violent crime are more likely to be victimized again, and many victims are subject to multiple forms of violence. That's kind of horrible, I think, number seven. 
I think that's kind of bad. Number eight, invest in anti-violence workforce development. Too many in the violence reduction field have worked too long without proper support or recognition. Many street outreach workers, for instance, work for little pay, no benefits, and with minimal opportunity for advancement. Okay, most do not receive sufficient support for addressing the trauma, direct and vicarious, that comes with anti-violence work. So it's just investing in a professional and sustainable anti-violence workforce. And that's, they need additional support to, to perform it at its best. And nine, set aside funding for new stakeholders and strategies. While most funding should be reserved for strategies with demonstrated track records of success. And number 10, commit to continuous improvement based on data, evidence, and peer-to-peer learning. Strategies must be tested to see if they actually stop violence and save lives. I'm going to repeat that one. Commit to continuous improvement based on data, evidence, and peer-to-peer learning. Strategies must be tested to see if they actually stop violence and save lives. Plans must be reviewed and, if necessary, revised. Leaders should embrace a learning culture that is able to recognize when strategies are not working and shift course without starting over from scratch. Data must be gathered and research partners should be engaged early to access performance, working in close consultation with police and community partners. So that's what was what we're talking about tonight. Ten actions cities can take to reduce violence in their cities. So I don't know what you guys think about that there, you know, from one to ten. Some of them you might like. The others, you you might be saying, well, that's not going to work. Well, you know, some things don't. So sometimes things have to be redone. You know, uh, a lot of times they don't. They don't do it. I don't know what can reduce the violence. And all of us know violence. We've seen it. We've heard it. And some of us have been into it. And there is something that we should have to be able to, you know, if not able to stop, maybe we could slow it down. Maybe we could slow it down. I don't know. I don't have any of the answers, but I know that some of you 
may have an idea. I don't know. If you do, you can press the one and, you know, give me your idea. Give us your idea of whatever. But before you do that, we're going to take a break and we'll be coming back. This is Let's Talk About It with Jenny White Show. We'll be back to the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White Show. Just Jemine is a natural line of luxury creams and lotions. From our creamy shade to our thick frappe and our therapeutic body butter, we have eliminated the petroleum, the alcohol, and the water and use natural oils and raw shea butter. Our products are made for the hair and the body naturally. For more information, visit us at www.just. J-A-M-E-E-N dot com or call us at 313-279-1494. That's www.justjamine.com. My name is Sheila White. I am the president and co-founder of Her Cries Are Heard, an organization that focuses on preventing violence against females. One in three women have been victims of physical abuse or violence by an intimate partner or non-partner within their lifetime. Ninety-four percent of women killed by men were murdered by someone they knew. Violence can affect a woman's physical and mental health and also negatively affect her children. In 1991, my sister was murdered by her husband, and in 2013, my niece was murdered by a man who followed her home from a party. Being a victim of violence is devastating to the victim and the victim's family. Help us to help you. Help us to prevent this from happening to you or someone you love. Please look at our website, www.hercriesareheard.org, for the prevention tools and referrals to help save lives. Okay, and we're back with the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White Show, and we're talking about 10 actions that cities can take to reduce violence. Now, I know um, sometimes it could be your family members. I know um, a friend of mine her family just got uh, a hard thing. Uh, someone shot someone. And that's a bad thing. When your person, your relative, decides to kill someone, that's hard. And especially if it's something someone you love, 
someone that you love and that they was hurt. Um, But that happens every day, every single day. And you know that maybe sometimes if we listen real good and kind of, you know, listen to someone, we can kind of feel what they're going through. And most anti-violence efforts happen at the local level. But state and federal support are key to help cities succeed in their frontline anti-violence campaigns. States and the federal government can support the essential actions outlined above through messaging and convening grant-making and fiscal incentives, regulation, legislation, and through the direct actions of certain agencies. The cities, if they set the right goals, sometimes they don't help cities set the right goals. If you're leaving or not leaving, living, in a city and you're having a lot of violence, then you can talk to your local leaders and see if you can get them to do this, you know, A and B. Maybe you can help them, give them an idea of what they might be able to do. Help the city set the right goals. And that will hurt and help you. So we have to help our leaders. We have to support evidence, back strategies, workforce development, and technical assistance while also investing in innovation. So we have to help our cities. We have to help. We don't want to help. All we want to do is run out and go get us a gun. And we think that's going to help us. I don't think so. I don't think running out and purchasing a gun is going to help us. I I don't think so. That's my opinion. I don't know what you guys think. If you have um, if you have an idea, just press the one and let me know because I don't think just buying a a gun is going to help. Now I know a lot of people do. I don't know. So what do you guys think? Violent crime is a deadly, serious challenge, but it's also a solvable one. Can you understand that? It can be solved, but there's something that we have to do. And a lot of times, we don't like to do anything. We like to talk about it. 
yeah, you know, we we should have. We should have this and we should have that. But you're not helping. You're just running your mouth. And we need to try to help someone because who knows? One of our children may be involved. You know, they could be coming back from school and somebody just shoot out the car. Anything can happen. We as parents and just adults, we don't have to, you know, have a child. Or we could have had a child and they're grown or whatever, but there are young people out there. And we have to do everything that we can do to try to keep our young ones safe. So we have to talk about it and not just talk about it to friends and whatever. Yeah, well, if they mess with me, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. You know, that's not going to stop them. But maybe if you talk to a leader in the city or something, you might be able to, I don't know, who knows? Who knows? If it will make a difference. I don't know. We need a lot of stuff, including budgets. The main ingredients are courage and commitment. And as the famous Chinese proverb says, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. We need to get on it because we have a city that's kind of rough, kind of rough. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. No, I'm going to get my gun and I'm going to sit up here and they better not touch me. Well, (laughs) I mean, that might help you, but... It might not help your neighbor next door. So I don't know. I don't have the uh, the answers. I gave you 10 actions for a city that can reduce some of the violence. So instead of getting all upset, we need to try to contact people and see what they can kind of moves they can do because we have a lot of children out here. School has started again. Schools are open. We have to be careful. We don't want our children to be hurt. So when I come back, if you have uh Would you like to say something? We'll be listening. And right now I'm taking a break and we'll be back. Do you know a youth in need of a place to live? Have you always wanted to make a difference in the city of Detroit but not known how? The answer to both of these questions is Covenant House, Michigan. 
Covenant House is a youth homeless shelter serving 18 to 24-year-olds in the city of Detroit with education, resources, job preparation, and so much more. If you'd like to learn more about these programs, please call 313-463-2000 or look us up on the web at www.covenanthousemi.org. Is your food bland and you want to spice it up? Does it taste like something is missing? What's missing is my seasoning, Butch's bodacious seasoning, all-purpose seasoning, good on absolutely everything but ice cream. I'm Linda Porter, President and CEO of Butch's Bodacious Seasoning. To get the spice back in your life, call me at 313-393-2738. You won't regret it. Thank you. Want to start a business or have tax issues? We know exactly how to handle your individual needs. We personalize each individual and give you the time required to focus on your needs. We audit you before the IRS does. The IRS is not on your side, but we are. We set up companies, do tax preparation, tax and retirement planning, Bookkeeping, IRS audits, and reviews. Please call me, Deborah Mitchell, owner of Mitchell and Company, for a free consultation at 248-354-5122. And visit my website, MitchellTexaCounty.com. And we're back to the Let's Talk About. Okay, we're back. Let's talk about it with Jenny White. And tonight we're discussing about 10 actions that cities can take to reduce violence in their cities. And that's what we're trying to do. Violent crime is a deadly, serious challenge, but it's also a solvable one. And I have to repeat that. It may be a deadly serious challenge, but it's also a solvable one. And we should not be running and hiding and buying all the guns we can get to save ourselves and not thinking about others. Don't forget we have children in the cities. Don't forget that. And sometimes they run into um bad situations, and we need to think about them as well. I don't know, as well as the states and the federal government are not helpless. (coughs) Excuse me. They're, um, They're not helpless in the face of rising rates of shootings and killings. By taking or supporting the 10 essential steps above. And I went through the 10, the 10 of them. Okay. The first one, we went over that, the 10 essential actions. 
The first one is set a clear goal, commit to saving lives by stopping violence. Number two, identify the key people and places driving the violence. And we have to understand that we have to get these people off the streets. Number three was create a citywide plan for engaging key people and places. And we have to help the city. We have to. We have to, number four, engage key people with empathy and accountability. Five, address key locations using place-based policing and investment. We know that there are certain places, certain places that you go to, and they are really somewhere you don't want to go. You really don't want to be there. So you don't want your children around there either. So just be, you know, aware. Be aware. Address key locations using place-based policing and investment. We have to put some cops down there, you know. Uh, Place responsibility for violence reduction at the top. That's what we want to do. Place people responsible. Emphasize healing with trauma-informed approaches. Invest in anti-violence workforce development. Now, that's something we really need to do. We really, we need to get a lot of these people that don't have jobs. They don't have jobs. And they don't have anything to do but run up and down the street you know, doing things, shooting, uh, just anything, bothering people who are not bothering them. They'll stop at a a gas station and take a gun to somebody and make them get out of their cars. A lot of times they'll just shoot them. So we have to be trying to help our cities. We're trying to invest in anti-violence, workforce development. That's what we need to be doing. And I know some of you that are listening, you have an idea. You have an idea, or you might have a young one. Or if not, it's a young one, then it could be you walking the street. So, you know, I think that... um, If you know anything about this, because like I said, you know, things are going on. And set aside some funding for new stakeholders and strategies. That's what the cities should do. And commit, commit, commit to continuous improvement based on data evidence, and peer-to-peer learning. 
We need to do what we can do. All of this, no good, bad actions, saving lives, essential actions in cities can take to reduce violence now. So I don't know, guys. I know you're listening, but none of you have an idea of what you can do. Your city, it may not be in Detroit. But I don't know of a city that can't be involved. Okay, and I have a caller. Hello, caller. How are you? Today, doing great. Okay. Uh, You know those ten things you uh, you listed off are are good and great for uh, what do they call it? Thirty three hundred mile look look down at you know like an overview of stuff. But the truth, the whole truth of the whole deal is, you still got to go back to the homes to the kids uh, that are <coughs> that are having the problems because if you can't fix the homes, you can't society. Those are the things that's got to be addressed, the fundamentals. And once, once the fundamentals are done, then you can see, you can see change in a lot of people. You know, it's what they call the opportunity cost. You're going to pay now to let your kids run wild, or you're going to pay later. Hmm. <laughs> so all those ten things uh, really don't even touch a uh, It's violence, but not a safety. So you know, that's like that's like mm-hmm. me. I uh, want to have a, have a garden then go in my neighbor's yard and start digging a hole, you know. When I get finished planting, you think he's going to let me come back over his house and get some of the food? I don't know what you think. <laughs> uh, I think not. So you have to start with the fundamentals. Uh, unfortunately, I was thinking about Maslow hierarchy again, but uh, I, didn't get it, I didn't sit down and research it. So I could be able to, uh, you know, to list them off in the uh, proper order. But that is, you know, the basic needs of people have got to be met before they change stuff, right? Okay, I you agree with in you. Your pocket, you don't normally go out and rob. You don't normally, but there's people always want more. You know what I mean? So the the basic needs, the Maslow hierarchy of basic needs, tells us in order to get a whole round person. You need, I think it's five steps. But uh, like I say, right now I cannot name them off. I, I was, I didn't think about it earlier. So yeah, but I, I still say, go ahead. Well, you know, I mean, you can put all the plans, all the organizations you want together. But if they're not doing it, you know, if you ain't hitting the right spot, what are they doing? It just building more and more and more and more and more 
you know, organizations that don't do anything. Okay. Well, we need if some. Kid, if your kid don't do nothing bad, the police, I know, uh, let me rephrase that. Most communities, which normally is not tied to the city or major cities, they have the same problems, but they are actually taken care of differently. So, you know, so you you know, you have a, a local society problem, then you have a suburb problem and both of them are handled two different ways. So what so you're saying the way is that violence is actually taken two different ways. So you want right. okay I hear what you're saying, but and I'm not I... sure what I'm saying. It begins at home. Take if you get people to take care of home, we can alleviate a lot of the problems that uh, that the cities are having. Uh, I, I, I'm not real sure about that because. I know you have to tell your kids this, that, and, you know, don't do this and don't do that. But we're talking about You mostly, have to show them. Not tell them. You have, they have to show them. Yeah, but People we're talking talk more about adults who are out on the street. But weren't taking, they kids before? Yeah, but they're, well, okay. I understand what you're, you're saying. But we've got to stop somewhere. A lot of these kids are home alone. Their parents have to go to work. And they can't so, stay at well they can't you know, stay at home. Remember the boys town and all that stuff? You know, the after school programs that everybody wanted to get rid of, all of us you know, they kept kids busy. But the legislators in most most states, which are Republican ran, don't want to give those help to the to the city. They don't want them to have the same opportunities. And that's why we are in the position that we're in. That we are in, correct. So, which means we need to change some of these legislators in order to get the things to happen. I'm going to I'm going to say something. I know it's going to make a lot of people mad. Detroit did not come alive until they got a white mayor. If you look at it, before Mayor Duncan came here, who were giving our kids toilet paper, we had half of the uh, uh, police force uh, vehicles and fire department stuff was broken down, right? We the, the, uh, they, they didn't have, you know, they the basic necessities that are needed never happen. The day he became that, the money started flowing from Lansing. All that money was already up there, but they wouldn't let it come down. So half of our problem is where the money is being held and why they're holding the money back from cities like Detroit. Well, and let me ask you, 
why? Why was it like that? Well, that's not a, that's not too hard to figure out. Lansing, half of Lansing and most of Michigan is all white. They could care less about the city of Detroit. Matter of Absolutely. fact, if they could have if they could have helped it, they would have made Dearborn the city of the, the center the center of uh, Michigan. Any place else but Detroit. Probably the only thing that stopped them was when Ford built that Renaissance Center. No, I'm sorry, when they get when GM took over that Renaissance City because they wanted to make Dearborn the uh, the center of the automobile uh, industry. And GM said, "Ain't nowhere in the world we're going out to Dearborn." So you know we know where the money's flowing, and we know who has the money. We just can't get them to release it. Well, you know, we can't make them give it to us. I don't know what to tell you, but, you know, you're right. I agree with that. I do. But then it's something that we need to start doing then for our children because our children are Making having problems. Sure our representatives know what they're doing on the school board and 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 the, and the uh, city council and the legislator. We have to send people up that know what they're doing and how to do what needs to be done. Trump is a, a perfect. Example, Trump as president, he couldn't even figure out how to get uh, the, the, to get vaccines put out. You know, how how to even, uh, you know, we're going to give it to the states. What do you mean you're going to give it to the states? You have to have somebody who understands the inside workings of everything. That's like me telling you what you're doing wrong in your house. I never, If I've never been in your house, how can I tell you? So certain positions require experience. Yeah. Okay. I do believe that because of the color of your skin has something to do with it. I don't, uh, I don't know. We're not, well, we're not going away. We're not going away, and we have to get somebody, you know, of color who can do what we need done. We have too many children out here getting hurt. We're losing too many children, and I think we can do it. I think did you hear what I said? I believe that we can do it. Okay. Let me ask you this question. How? We need to get together, have a, a strategy. How? We have to do something. We're losing too many of our kids. But what I'm the reason I keep saying how is because we're 
we everyone knows the generality of what we're talking about. The question is, who's going to take responsibility to make the first move to do what needs to be done? Well, we have uh, voting coming up. And we should be looking for the person that is going to help us. We can't just. But how well do we know the people that we're that we're actually voting for? Well, you know what? We have to take a chance. But the people are talking, and I know that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything because they may uh, uh, they say a lot of stuff to get voted in, and then they'll still go, you know, to what they want to do. Or a lot of times, when you when somebody backs you, you have to do what they say, and they push you in, but. Because you got in, you have to do what they say. So, so how is that? How is that helping? How is that helping? Uh, well, we it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Well, that's, okay. What? How do we? You know? Do we need to set up uh, uh, neighborhood things where people who are going to run for office have to come down and sit down? And and ask we have to ask them the the hard questions. We have to prepare ourselves to make sure that the person we're sending up there or sending or appointing to office is is qualified or at least going to do what we want them to do. I'm trying to. I think the senator from Tennessee said we didn't send you up there to do the right things. We sent you up there to do what we told you to do. See, and that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. Uh, yeah. And then another senator said, I don't understand why we can't lie in, 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 in the Capitol when we're in session. That's not fair. He said we can't lie. Right. When they're, like, when they're going on the floor and try to make uh, get a bill or something passed, he don't understand why they have to tell the truth. See, we don't need people like that. But that's what you got. Well, I'm telling you, it's going maybe to be a mess. Have some, uh, maybe someone else has some good answers uh, for us that we can't think about, that we don't know, or a different position on it. I don't know, but, you know, uh, people, some people have money, and they want you to be in a certain position because they want to do something and they will push and help you to get in there. But like you said, that's what they want. It used to be a time when people were voting. They were voting for the country. And here we are now People don't care about the country. They only want 
to get in a position and they will do whatever they have to do to get in that position. And whoever put them in that position, they will have to do what they say. You know, so it's a mess now. It's a mess now. And I don't know how we can fix it. Probably have to take a little bit at a time, one bite of the apple at a time, until you get wherever you go. Uh, Whatever your mission may be or goal may be. Well, I don't know why somebody would want to, you know, be in a position and can't work it. I mean, I don't know. I think I would have to not do it. We'll just take, we'll just say a church. If you get more than 10 people in a church, you'll never get all of them to agree. The smallest unit supposed to be the faithfulest unit of them all. But you don't have to say bring, that. You can have yes, a house. What people bring to that is their own experiences of how they treat people, how they want to be treated or whatever. So the only thing they know what to do is what's based on their own experience. They're, they're not trained to do what, the, you know, what they're supposed to do, you know. So all you can do is do what you know, and what you know is only your own your own past experiences. So until we open up our minds to try to get some new experiences in, you know, to make changes happen, there will be good for people that people don't know, you know. I can tell you about a specific ice cream and tell you how good it is. And, <laughs> I mean, then you go get it. You're like, what in the world was he talking about? <laughs> you know, all you have is your own experiences. So you have to figure out a way to uh, prepare yourself for whatever happens. Yeah. Okay. We have another caller. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what they have to say. Hello, how are you? And hello, and how's everybody this evening? Uh, Miss Jenny White. Hi. Uh, I'm a little perplexed because I understand. If you see now, the people uh, we're not being uh, allowed to have any too much of a space on almost anything, even in the election process. Uh, it seems like the, the country is going toward one specific person, one ideology. Anyone that goes against that ideology or that central person, you know, they lose their position, they lose their job, they lose everything, even in our school system. They're not trying to listen to, you know, listen to what people have to say as far as, you know, even keeping our children um, safe in school or anything. They're just not listening. They will not listen. They're more concentrated on trying to keep their jobs than listening to what we have to say. And um, as long as they have that mentality, it's almost like a closed, their ears are closed to any and everything else. How are we going to do this? How can we do this? You know, how can we, you want to put your input in, 
it, I had an interesting experience when I went to put my grandson, my youngest one, in school. And um, they're just not listening to you. You know, they have everything mapped out, you have to do, and then they lock, like, lock down the school where no one can get in. You know, and then they have specific doors where they want each uh, certain people to go in. They really won't let the parents in now to get the children. You have to come to the door to get your child. But it's like you have to appoint an older child to go to pick up the younger one. You know, it's like it's crazy. No one is trying to listen. They're just trying to endure from one day until the other, to the next day. With just you know, just a function. Am I making myself clear? So that's what they're, they're doing not, now, sending kids to get the kids. Yeah, like uh, my uh, my uh, oldest uh, grandson has to go get the baby. Uh, you can't go in and get the children out. Like you know. So they're not letting the adults in. Is that what you're saying? No. Yeah, not after, yeah, you have to come to a certain point. You have to wait. You know, you have to, um, everything has to be in top, top writing, you know, for you to, uh, like my older grandchild, she's in 11th grade, she has a specific door. And how she's supposed to be picked up, they had it messed up where she was supposed to walk home or something like that, you know. But um, my daughter had to go and get all that changed. So she can come out, you know, and and uh, be picked up like it's supposed to be. Like I mean, she had it, but everything is just folded. It's like a madhouse of people trying to trying to do, but you you just can't you just can't break. And I don't know how to describe it. You know, I really do not know how to describe it now. And um, the entire country's that way. It's like that. Well, it's like a system of control. Um, even in, uh, um, it's like it's a system of control that has to be under this one person. You know, this one person is focused on it. You know, that's where the entire country is going, even down to our children being in school. And it's sad to see that. Well, I a think lot of people try. I think they're just trying to keep the kids uh, safe. That's the only thing I can see. Yeah. But I don't see why. Yeah. I don't see why they wouldn't want an adult to pick up a child instead of a young person. Now that that's doesn't make, into, uh, Yeah. 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 But that makes like, no uh, sense to me. That says to to me they don't know what they're doing, and they don't know how to do better. They They don't know how. Yeah, that's the only thing I can see. They don't know what's going on. They're just trying something, which might not work. Every day, yeah. Every day. This uh, I read something recently that um, the little boy wrote that. little child in kindergarten. Well, who's your hero? He put down Jesus. So the teacher said, you can't, you have to pick another hero, like, like, um, and she named somebody. So the woman came and she said, wait a minute, how come he can't say that? We can't bring anything like that into the school anymore. 
That's what she told us. You know, he's just starting school, you know. It's like a retraining of your child, you know. It's a training that, uh, you know, he can't say that, you know. This child probably has had this experience in church about, you know, about Jesus and learning and stuff. But he's he just new at it, you know. And he said, what, what's wrong, you know. But he, you have to pick another type of hero. And the woman did ask, him, what's wrong with him doing that, you know. That freedom that we used to think we could have, but it's just not there anymore. See, if that had been me, if if that would have been in my class, I would not have told that child to change whatever they wanted to do. If they wanted to say Jesus, then they can say it all day long. I would have done that. I don't care what they say that I'm not supposed to do. That's no, 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 no. I would have done it. So if they wanted to kick me out and get another teacher, that was going to be a hard time. <laughs> but, yeah, but no, I, I, I know it's. But the kids are the kids learning. That's what I want to know. Well, it's too early to find out because we just started. You know, well for us, we just started here on the sixth after Labor Day, but. Um, he seemed to be, uh, I know it's my grandson, the baby, he seems to be becoming acclimated to school. But, That's um, a good thing. Yeah, he likes school. Um, the boys, you know, they seem to like school and things like that. But um, it's just like... But what um, they can... I would not have it's, a child in my classroom that said anything about Christ and couldn't say anything about it, I would never have that going on in my class. And I don't know uh, whether they liked it or not. You know, that's one of the problems we're having now. That's one of the problems. You can't, you know, you have to think where they want you to think. It sounds like it's the beginning of Nazi Germany. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> you know. It could be. That's it what it could sounds be. like. They're trying to keep Christ out of everything. They're trying and to keep your opinion, your freedoms out of everything. You, you're free. That is, yes. Yes. Just want to zero in on certain groups of people. You know? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Was, yeah, to the point where... Um, there's just uh, I know you've heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He how he he was one of the people who tried to um, religious people. He loved uh, when he came to America and he saw America. He wanted to bring something back to his country, which was Germany. And uh, but he saw something that really struck him. He saw how the African American person was treated. You know, he said, well, "This is wrong." He said, well, "Why should I take this back home to Germany? Trying to you know, we got we got something like this going on there." But now that, you know, he eventually was killed, you know, uh, he was hanged uh, because he caught, got caught up in that Valkyrie thing, you know, to, uh, to, kill, to kill Hitler. And uh, he was a religious man, you know, a church man, a, a minister. And some of the things that he was saying about Christianity and stuff. But anyway, this organization that he's, uh, that um, talks about him a lot, they're saying that there's certain things that we can do even under this cloud of uh, 
that we're under, that, you know, political clout. Well, the church becomes more political than anything else. There's certain things that certain people can do, even, uh, even under this type of pressure, this type of uh, change. And I was thinking about um, writing for the book to see it. But um, he said there's still something, although he gave up his life for what happened, you know, for what he was trying to do. He got to the point where he wanted this man out because he could see him destroying the Jews, the people who, who were not blue-eyed and, and white, blonde hair and stuff like that, that they were destroying the top person that had some defects, that you weren't, you know, you weren't worth weren't living, you know, weren't having on the planet. That's what, he, that's what they considered, all of this. But he came up with some ideas, and I said I was going to write to see just what he had to say in the midst of this type of climate that we're in in our country and in our school system and things like that. What did he come up with before they um, finally, I know he got to the point where he felt like the man had to go, that he got caught up in it. And I think that would be some interesting reason. And that's all I just wanted to say to share. It's like nothing, you know, nothing means anything. It's this one figure that's dominating everything. Who is the one figure that's dominating? Because they're allowing him to do so. No, no, no. I'm, I'm asking who. You talking about Trump? Definitely. Or what are you talking huh? And the church is doing And what's so sad about it is the church that's doing it. Because this is their so hope to, to, to gain power and control over this country. It's there. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. I agree it's with there. you. And it, you can see it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it's, this is their way. He, certain books he don't want you to read no more. You have to look at I it this to, way. You, you want to change your history. I just, you can't I just have one thing. question. I just have one yes, question sir. about that. What are all these, what's those? Uh, what do you call the... Uh, the 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 religious people, I can't think of the evangelical community. Yeah, what are they going to do when yeah. they find they they finally get up and somebody starts debating and they start their research and find out that Jesus Christ was a was a man of color? Is that going to change them from uh, uh, taking advantage of of black people? Do you think? Okay, uh, I was listening to Dr. Uh, Jeremiah Wright in one of his speeches, uh, one of his ministers, and he pointed out that in the 15th century, going back to the 15th century, right. that was when they changed, everybody in the Bible became white. That's, yeah. They changed the color, they changed this, they changed that. He talked about the Sistine Chapel and how David is reaching to, you know, God and all this other stuff, and everything became white, okay. They, they a- did, they they. Yeah, that they did. You know, this is what they've been doing, and this is how we have been. This how uh, the word has been uh, given out. The evangelical community they talk about the um, the Re- the Reformation and things like that. Um, yeah, it's everything became white. Calvinism and all of this, and Lutheranism and all of this. The um, right. yeah, everything became white during that time. What 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 was, the reason? When I first go ahead. Eventually, the truth is going to have to come to life, right? And then, what do you do? Go ahead. Um, 
becomes light. Now, now what are you gonna gonna do? I mean, maybe we should we should have everybody in the United States uh, take a heritage thing to see how many of them are have black heritage in them. So they say it's going to be the you make America great again. <laughs> Whatever they're relying on, but they're looking at marginalization. Um, you know, just that uh, this is what they're just marginalizing that you are under their control. They want control of the country by any means necessary. Oh, absolutely. You can't speak about the heritage. You. you can't speak about this. When they teach you, they're going to teach your children a different way. I agree. It's with not that. really to build that child, build your child up, you know. You mm-hmm. have to really do something with your children at home. They're trying to do that now in the schools. Oh yes, yeah. That's what she just said. I yeah. mean, if, if every change, it's like uh, uh, like with the Republican Party. Eventually, somewhere the truth is going to have to come out. The truth has come out. The Republican Party ain't trying to do nothing. Even, even to me, I, yeah, they're afraid to go up against this one figure. To go up against this one figure means you're going to lose your position, you lose your this, you lose, lose your that. If you remember about maybe it's probably, it was about maybe I think two or three years ago when I was talking about industry and I was saying, remember, uh, if you get twenty nine percent of any company, you could actually run the company. You remember? All you need is, 20, uh, what do you say, 20%? 29%. Oh, because 29. the other people, don't, you know, you're not going to go to a meeting uh, for a stockholder if you got five or six shares, right? So the guy uh-huh. with the 29%, and Trump was only, Trump was asking for 39%. <laughs> and you see how thirty nine percent can automatically change everything. Well, he wants to change anything anyway. Huh? Even at the lower level, even at the court level, people he has put yep. in court, you see them right. coming forward on his behalf. The legal system, the justice system, you know. Well, some of them are, because the problem is when you start something. And you tell more than once, there's no way in the world you could control it. There's no way in the world you're going to control 100 people keeping their mouth quiet. <laughs> but even at the so state, he's what he's doing is at the people. state level. The state level. Well, I was reading point, something the where they say about 400 people are running in the state levels mm-hmm. where they can control the vote, they can control this, they can control that. And uh, if they become in, you know, he can control them through the state. Never mind what the federal government has to say. Never mind what we you know, put there. What's the, the only Never problem, mind. Well, the only problem is when, once you have one site, one idea, and a million people shoot at that one idea, it may not last long. I mean, Trump is just all Trump is doing is just throwing out what they call red herrings. Just keep changing direction. Keep changing direction. And the people that's following them are just following, you know, they don't know what to say. They're scared to say anything, even though they know he's wrong, you know. All that because of that 39%. 
So what, now, makes, is, what makes him so scary? Because he Tell started back in 19... They're letting him get away with a lot of things. Oh, go ahead. Excuse me. That's what I'm saying. Why? 19, he started process getting people ready back in 1992. Whoa. When they asked him, would he ever run for president? And he said, well, because... I think, if I'm not mistaken, Dick Cavett said, because, you know, you're giving all your money to Democrats, so, you know, do you think you'd ever run for president? He said, well, let me see. The only way I could run for president is because if I become a Republican, because they're the only one that's dumb enough to believe me. Uh, <laughs> and he, he started was right. from that point on. He was right. He started building up. He started building, he, you know, do a little bit at a time because he knew he wasn't ready for it back then. But he figured someday, look at, looking at Putin and all these other people, he can get the people to see what he wanted them to say. But then the next thing he said is, don't believe your lying eyes. Believe what I tell you. <laughs> right. and, and I'm saying, if you follow this guy, Trump, You'll find out he started back in in the nineties setting this up. Okay. And it worked. So, and it worked. He didn't turn Republican until uh six months before he decided decided to run for president. He wasn't a Republican. Everybody thought he was a joke. Yeah, well he showed him. Well, well, I don't know I mean, what, what makes he him so. All he did was talk about people. That's all he did. He just talked about people and, you know, made, made uh, right. everybody right. else look bad, made the people cry. And all those people that were crying, where are they at now? Right up under his, his table. That's true. <laughs> talked about their dad, talked about their mom, talked about everything. You know. Now, but what makes about him Biden. so. What makes him so lovable? Tell me that, please, because I don't understand. He's saying what all white people, a lot of white people want to believe. Okay. What white people want to believe. How come all all the black cities are usually in poor and in decay? And all these, these little small suburbs popping up all over the place, you know, and everybody can buy these new fantastic houses and everything, and ain't nobody. That's why the cost okay. of being away from black people is the price of houses, right? That's right. Okay, the I forgot. The more you get, the more money you charge. Now, but now you can be a white person and file bankruptcy and buy another house tomorrow. You could be you could be white and file bankruptcy and get a new a, a car tomorrow. Matter of fact, you could probably walk out that same hour and get another car that same hour, even though you you filed for it. The whole thing was built not to help everybody, only to help a chosen few. That's why the, the Italians, when they got here, Cardell. That's why you know. The Polish, when they got here, got, who are these, these strange people coming, taking our stuff? They ain't, you know, they ain't English. 
And so as as other people came with a doctor of color, then all of a sudden, you know, what do they say, the uh, the almost white or yellow is closer to white than those people are, so we could accept them in, and then you go, you keep going. Because everybody came here, if they look at in their backgrounds, they're immigrants, except for the Indians. But they've been so marginalized, yeah. You know, so it's a system, it's a system that's set up to make all this stuff. But the problem is they didn't think far enough in the future because they never thought they would ever be in this place. Hmm. And when Obama got elected, totally, you know, how can you talk about these people and they run in your country? Well, well they wanted to, to get him out. That, that was really interesting because they just – wanted to let him do one term, and he got in another term. He was a but good you know one. why? You yeah. know why? Because we wanted him back. When you, have one tra- when you have one train of thought, and you think everybody thinks like you, Obama slid under that and did something totally different, but they was n- never expected, right? Because <laughs> you remember the guy. What's the guy in charge of the Senate? We're going to make Obama a one-time That's president. what he said. That's what he Mitch McConnell. And Mitch McConnell, I can't remember what show he came on, and he said, when I, when we, when we uh, got up the next day and saw that what Obama had did, he said, <laughs> you could have shot. But he just knew that they had, had it taken care of. He said he outsmarted all of them because he used a different method than they had ever seen before. Because <laughs> that's what makes America great is because you get these mixed races with different ideas that can build on new ideas. You know, if everybody believes the same way, we probably would still have a horse and buggy. But you got people that, that question, well, why are we doing it this way? You know, in my country, we did it that way. Well, just you know, and that's what people don't realize. That's what make America great because you get a chance to kind of what do you call it? You integrate different ideas and make them work. Okay, and you could always, you know, like Japan, places that are homogenized that only have basically one type or heritage, whatever you want to call it. You can easily make them, you know, they all think alike anyway because all the all the information is just going back and forth between them. Now, when you get somebody coming with a different idea, you know, from another country, and somebody says, hey, wait a minute. Oh, I'll give you a great example. The Frisbee. Look how much man that made out of, that man made out of a Frisbee. And how long have we been throwing uh, pie pans around after our parents got finished cooking the pie? <laughs> well, it's not, not a, it's just, it's just, well, having said say? that, uh, that was kind of good. I would like to ask you both if you have something that you would like to leave with us before we go. Take care of home. Take care of home first. 
If you can get home all right, then you can go next door. But don't go next door until you've taken care of home. That's a good okay. one. Very good one. Okay. We have to um, – I know for myself, because my grandkids are out there uh, and all of this, and my children, we have to come out of fear. I know I have, uh, um, you know, mothers, you know, they, <laughs> you know, we've seen so much ugliness when it comes down to our children, children, period. And, um, but you have to know, find some way to be in control by way of the way you, uh, through your home more so and teaching your children. It's very important that you teach children and trying to um, steer them through this type of world that we live in right now. Okay. That's the only thing I can say. Yeah. It's a big responsibility on the parent, even a single parent. You're working, you're doing everything. You have to still take that time with them. Yeah, we we do need to do that. Take the time. Okay. Well, thank you, guys. We've had a good night, a good discussion. And what I'd like to say and leave with you guys is that Memories remind us that nothing lasts forever. Time is precious and should not be wasted. Enjoy life and remember, don't count the days. Make the days count. And having said that, I will say thank you guys for discussion. I thank you for another evening of Let's Talk About It with Jenny White. And I pray that you guys have a good weekend and another week. And have a good one. Good night. Good night. Good night.